What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to the TEG podcast. This is episode 76, and today is October 17th, 2017. My name is Johan Forster, and joining us again tonight is JD. JD, how are you doing, man? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hi, man. It's really good to have you on the show again. Yeah, always good to be here. How's uh, things in Pongo, man? Tell me a little about your life. It's, it's been a few weeks since you've been on the show. Yeah, um, well, winter's arrived, which means the wind is howling already. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's, uh, yeah, the north wind starts in October and sort of 40, 50 knot wind pretty much every day for months on end. So it just started. It hasn't got cold yet, but it's windy, which just kind of uh, throws you off everything that you've been doing before. So I've been getting out with my drone a lot the last few few weeks getting lots of footage around the mm. islands before the, the winter came and now it's here and it's uh, it's impossible to fly or do anything so I'm yeah, back yeah. indoors again playing more games and <laughs> <laughs> now you are forced to, uh, to to sit indoors and play games exactly no choice it just can't be helped <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, if you guys don't know it yet, uh, we're a small little podcast based in Taiwan. We are on iTunes, so go find us there. Just search for the TEG Podcast or the Taiwan English Gamers Podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TEG Podcast, all one word. Twitch.tv slash TEG Podcast. Facebook.com slash TEG Podcast. Those are kind of social media things I uh, need to get out of the way. I hope you guys are going to go follow us there. I've uh, been trying to stream a little bit more recently. And uh, it's it's uh, October or some say Shocktober. So Halloween's coming up. It's a perfect time to stream some horror games or some spooky games. And I've been trying to do that a little bit more. Um, but JD, let's, uh, before we do that, let's talk, um, start the show the way we always do, talking about some of the games we are playing, um, things we've been busy with. Tell me about, uh, other than tonight's big game, what else have you been playing, man? Well, other than tonight's big game, not a lot in the last um, in the last week or so, but yeah. before then it was sort of a non-stop destiny, really, <laughs> and uh, pretty glad to have a a break from that actually and play something else tell me um, about bit destiny for a moment where you guys all left off how, how is the feeling among the destiny camp at the moment i know you guys have a, a, a small uh, uh, quite um a regular group still playing um well up until very recently what what was the feeling last since you left how do people feel about the game um yeah we do have a regular semi sort of regular group a few familiar faces it, it tends to be I remember before with Taken King, we used to have no problem getting six people on at the same time to do a raid, or it it seems we're struggling a little bit more this time. I don't Mm. know if there's, we don't have such a solid core of of players that are always on at the same time, but usually we have like three people to do Nightfall or something, but the raid has been a lot harder to Mm. organize this time. Um, The general feeling, I think, it's it's just more destiny. Mm. The, the the differences and the novelties of of the of Destiny Two, I think, wore off pretty quick, and it you just feel it just feels like you've never been away, and it's gotcha. the same old thing. Which I I don't mind. I Mm-mm. 
I've reached a bit of a saturation point with it now where I just I, I can't get any better gear than I've got. I I've lost motivation to sort of do the do the grind. Um but we we played the hell out of it. Yeah. I mean the last um the last month or two. Um and a lot of people have made three characters and are now happy to do all the sort of weekly activities and things on all three. I've got to the stage where I've got two. I've got two characters. They're both maxed out. Nice. And Three or also, five. it's been a yeah. It's yeah. been a little bit more squabbly this this time as well. I don't know. People seem to be falling out a little bit more when we're doing <laughs> raids, and it's there's a few more personality clashes. And yeah, it's it's been a little bit uh, a little bit tetchy at times, which I don't really remember happening with Taken King so I mean I do remember Mike mentioning that he, uh, I remember um, when I kind of dropped off and you guys kept playing uh, one thing he mentioned was that there were kind of a, a couple of fallouts back then even so I mean I can imagine during like high pressure moments in the raid you know people get kind of touchy yeah I, I don't feel I personally feel that the raid isn't as high pressure as previous ones and it's easier to come in and out and to get something done in a shorter period of time um but again i think some people just forget what they're doing and forget that they're just playing a game for fun with other people <laughs> and having a good time and start uh and then when you when when you can't get six friends together and you're inviting people in from um from an lfg or something then there's more yeah there's more potential for those people to be difficult or yeah. um, or people to lose patience with them on, on our side and things. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the raiding experience hasn't been as good for me as it was with, with Taken King. I think partly that's to do with the raid as well. I don't think it's a as immersive a sort of journey. You know, mm. it feels it feels a little bit more arcadey maybe. And then, you know, you've played it, there's, there's these yeah. different rooms and you go back into the same room each time and then you go back out to to do a, an activity but with the Taken King you felt like you were going on a journey through that ship through the the dreadnought and um, the jumping puzzles and the secrets and things felt a bit more immersive so when you went in with a team I, I, it had a different feeling um, mm -hmm. and I don't think people feel that they need to play this raid all the way through in one go and I don't think we've done it once actually I don't think we've played a fresh raid through all the way interesting so yeah I've been I've, I've been giving it a rest the last couple of weeks just because I don't know how much more I can get out of it for now yeah yeah I mean uh, I like I, I tried out the raid with you guys up to a certain point and I thought it was pretty fun but I mean I didn't really have much previous raid experience to compare to um, but I mean how do you feel in general the future of Destiny I mean um, if they release some new content or DLC or whatever are you gonna be happily jumping back into it yeah I think so um, I mean I would I would jump in now if they raised the level cap or I mean they did they did introduce the the prestige raids so mm. there is a new challenge but to be honest uh, we've struggled to get through the regular raid so I'm not really that excited about the prospect of jumping into the prestige where it's just going to be more difficult and more room for for um, you know people getting annoyed and stuff yeah I can imagine and yeah I mean absolutely if there's if there's any DLC any new like story content new strikes I'll jump in I I don't think I stopped playing because I was I was sick of it it was just Shadow of War came out and mm -hmm. I was like okay I'm, I'm ready to 
play something new for a while, and then that's gripped me. And I've actually had party invites coming through this last few days <laughs> when I've been playing Shadow of War, and I've just ignored them. I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm into this. I don't yeah. even want to jump into the party to explain why I don't want to play with you guys, so I just ignored a few people. So if I ignored you this week and you're listening, I'm sorry. Shadow of War is pretty addictive. I think people will understand. Shadow of War takes precedence at the moment. Um, of course, that's a big game we're going to be talking about later. Uh, for myself, um, I've been looking for something that will be fun to stream, and it being Halloween, uh, I went back to try and finish Evil Within, the original Evil Within, especially now with the sequel coming out. Um, and so I'm, I think I'm like two or three chapters away from the end. So I'm, I'm gonna try and I, I basically only play that game when I have time to stream because it's a fun game to stream. Um, so uh, I don't actually play that um, when I'm just at home or whatever, I'm pl- sitting and playing game for a bit. Um, I keep that exclusive for streaming purposes. Uh, and then um, I actually started playing Horizon not too long ago after kind of. I jumped off from Destiny and I kind of lost uh, lost interest in Destiny for a bit. Um, uh, Horizon just popped up on sale; it was like 50% off, and mm. I'm like, "Wow, f- no better time to pick up that game." And so yeah, I've been playing that. Yeah, I'm playing that for a bit and really enjoying it. Um, I do feel like maybe um, open world it suffers from the same kind of open world problems that a lot of games do, where you know after a while it's just you know you're basically opening up the map running there, doing a quest, running back, you know, handing in rewards, you know, and kind of, it's it's um, kind of a, a loop that you keep going in and out from. So, um, but I mean, it's, it's a fantastic game. I've, I've been enjoying every like boss, every new monster encounter has been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun with that game. Yes. Yeah, I definitely intend on going back and finishing it and so on. Um, Jenny, let's start talking about the topics for tonight. Um, recently, I've been doing kind of mini topics before the main topic. And uh, first of all, is uh, Mario Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey is coming out 10 days from now. Next week, Friday, uh, is going to be probably, arguably, the Switch's. And Nintendo's biggest game after Zelda this year uh, coming out next Friday. And I want to ask you: Are are you gonna get a Switch? Are you interested in a Switch? I don't know if we've actually talked about your interest in Nintendo's console before. Um, I don't think we have. I don't have a big interest in in, um, in Nintendo, to be honest. I, mm-hmm. I I mean, I was tempted by. Zelda, that would have been the game that persuaded me to get it, and I did read a lot of reviews. Yeah, I, I thought about it, but again, like a lot of people said, it's it looks like a good game. I would buy it if it, you know, if it came out on PS4. But I, I'm mm. not going to buy a, a system for it. And um, Mario, after after sort of Super Mario Brothers 2, I don't think I've really ever enjoyed playing Mario. So oh, really? um, yeah, no, it, it's one of those. One, I, I go back and play, play on Game Boy sometimes and things, but um, I, I even like I don't, I didn't ever play Mario sixty four, and I haven't really engaged with it at all since then. So yeah, yeah, no, for for me apart from apart from Zelda, which I was really into when I was when I was a kid. What is it much... that uh, that uh, kind of put you off from the from Mario franchise? Um, I mean, I, I, because I didn't, I guess I didn't have a, 
a Nintendo 64. I used to play as a as a kid um, mm. at a friend's house with with some uh, with some sort of Mario games and um, Mario Kart and things. Mm. It's fine. I guess as I got a little bit older, I just didn't didn't I wasn't interested in um, in uh, children's games anymore. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate there's that they're they're great games and they're well designed and but for me there's there's uh, the the storytelling and the themes and things I, I suppose is, is why I play oh, games gotcha, these okay. days. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, makes um, sense, tell me yeah. tell me about why people are so hyped up and excited about this one because I, I don't really get it. I mean, it's the same thing with with all these games, uh, with all the Mario games. They uh, one thing Nintendo does very well is they put the gameplay and the gameplay mechanics at the forefront you know uh, mm. second of all the second thing they do well is make sure the game is really polished and then you know you know along with that also comes like they 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 try and be inventive in every way possible they try and do something different with platforming and doing something different with with every iteration of these games um, way more than a lot of modern games do and it's very hard to see that in a video and or experiencing that in kind of short bursts you really have to kind of play those games you kind of have to get a feel for it and it's like it, it feels unlike many other games but I can totally understand if a if a story and a, and a narrative is kind of important for you and you're looking for something with a believable world then you know these games are not going to appeal to you uh, but I mean as far as if you want a game that is puts fun and kind of uh, gameplay and inventive and interesting kind of mechanics in front of you all the time then especially the Mario franchise has been fantastic with us you know mm. um, I mean I play these games maybe once every six years or five years when there's a new one coming out I do make sure of giving them a try and I'm always and I, and I always get to a point oh, just before I play it I always like very skeptical like what can they do this time to make it different and interesting and I'm always like without fail I'm surprised with uh, the things they come up with you know it's just very right. well designed games that you you really appreciate the polish especially now compared to many AAA games where the games come out and there's a whole bunch of other things that kind of um, annoy you and um, it comes out buggy or it's not as good as promised these games a lot of them especially the mainland Mario franchise um, have always you know, improved on themselves, you know, and have become a lot better and become always a, just a joy to play. Um, mm. But they, you know, Nintendo hasn't really done anything to kind of try and convince people, you know, non-believers to, you know, uh, try out their games. It's always been like, you know, there are people who believe in Mario and enjoy these kind of games and then there's everybody else, you know. So uh, uh, I would definitely say if you have the opportunity at least to try it out, and I'm sure someone you know we'll probably have one eventually and go sit down and give yourself a bit of time and just at least experience it and see for yourself what the hype is about um, yeah because I'm uh, I think it's actually time for me to get one I, I said earlier this year I wasn't really interested in the switch even though I want to play Zelda I wasn't gonna get one for just one game but now with uh, Mario Odyssey coming out and um, the Mario and Rabbits game that it's been getting really good reviews and a bunch of uh, indie games that have come out that uh, look really well or re fit really well on like, the switch um, so I'm kind of feel liking, I feel feeling more inclined to get one, and uh, but I'm gonna, I might, I might wait for the uh, Taiwanese, the Taiwan version, which is coming out December first, 
and uh, it is it's going to be significantly cheaper. So it's under ten thousand for the Taiwanese version. So there's right. that. Yeah, no, I think that is the that is the context I would play it. And mm. if a, if a friend had it, and they you know they asked me around to play it, I would definitely give it a go. And chances are I'd I'd enjoy it. Like mm. I enjoy a good game with you know with good gameplay and things. I just I don't think I would buy it, and I don't think I would um, I would uh, buy a a console for it. Um, mm. But having said that, I did buy the Nintendo 2DS. Purely for Pokemon Sun Moon, <laughs> and I regretted it actually. Like really? I, I, I played for about a week, and then I was like, okay, no, I can't, I can't spend any more time on this game. You know, it's just, it's just Pokemon. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it hasn't changed since the, <laughs> the, the first game, which was fun. But it's like I'm not ten years old anymore, and I can't. I was trying to enjoy it more. You know, I was trying to enjoy it. I was. But you shouldn't have to try, right? I yeah. Mean, I was like, I, I want to like this game. I want to be 10 years old again and enjoying a Pokemon game. And there's certain elements that hook you, but then there's so much stuff that you can't overlook or you you just, you know, you want to go and play something else. So Yeah, I think you you, need, you kind of know what, you get, what you're getting yourself into playing those games. And like you said, if, you, if you're given a game a week, and still it doesn't really hook you, then you kind of know it's not uh, worth spending more time in, you know? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, one other thing I kind of, is, as a side uh, to this topic um, that I want to bring up is, um, so I'm thinking about like getting the Switch now, um, mm. and I was like looking online, purchasing one, um, and then I went, I just, I was in the neighborhood close to where my local game store is, one of the, the game stores in Shinju uh, that I used to go, to, uh, usually go to, and uh, um, and I see they have a bunch of switches there, and, and I thought, well, I can just go home and just order one online, probably save a bit of bucks. Um, I don't know if you guys have much of a, a game store in uh, in in, in Ponghu, but uh, I felt like maybe it's good for me to kind of support local retailers and instead of just buying online. And I know it's probably a bit of a more of a challenge for you being in Ponghu because you know your options for buying games probably a lot limited than at least in the main island here. But how do you feel about that? If you had the, the opportunity to support a local retail, will you do it? Or are you like, you're going to buy everything online or digitally as far as you can go? Um, to be honest, like I think supporting the local game store or something wouldn't be my main motivation. Mm-hmm. As, as, um, as honorable as that is, if there was a game store in Pongu, which there isn't, by the yeah. way, there isn't anything. There isn't a single outlet that sells <laughs> any kind of game anywhere on the island. And I, I, I searched high and low. And actually, when I, before I got a PS4, um, and I was pretty late to the the PS4. But before that, I'd never bought a game online. I'd never downloaded yeah. a game. You know, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I'd bought you know all all my games were physical copies that I bought from local game shops in Taichung and um, mm-hmm. so it's so but now with the PS4 I don't know how many games I have now I'm scared to look but <laughs> I haven't bought any but my library you know I've downloaded many so so I don't have a game shop to go to yeah I think for me the main concern is when I, I tend to buy games on day one when they come out if I'm excited about it and I'm like, how soon can I be playing this exactly, game? Yeah. And if I could like nip down to the shop, pick up a copy, put it in my mm-hmm. PS4, and start playing it. I mean, these days you have to install usually anyway, so it's not immediate. But still, I 
I have to sit waiting for my download to finish, which you know can sometimes take half a day um, these days. So I, yeah, if if there was something that could speed up the process and I could be playing faster, I think <laughs> I would I would jump on that. But yeah, it's nice to support a local game yeah. store. It's nice to see the same people and to go in and chat about games with them. And I, I used to enjoy that entire John. I used yes, to have a couple exactly. of places I went and we'd talk about games and why this wasn't coming out in Taiwan and mm-hmm. why and this and this. And yeah, there was, that was nice. Um, here I'm totally isolated, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that was I don't even have any friends that have PS4s or Xboxes or anything here. So I, I don't even get to go yeah. out to people's houses and play games anymore. Yeah. That's what I want to get to is, uh, there's, there's a little bit of a, I, you know, I go to the store, not very often, but every now and again, I go there running to the same kind of people, you know, and I've struck up a conversations, a, little, uh, a few conversations with people at the stores and, uh, you know, and it's kind of nice, you know, can talk, Oh, you're going to buy this game. Oh, cool. Yeah. I played the previous one. And, you know, it's a, there is a kind of, I know, and I know this is not for every game shop, but I know there are some game shops in particular that have kind of a community community vibe around them um, and I know people who exclusively go to one specific store because they know the guy there and they've always had a kind of a good understanding you, you can just call the guy up and say hey can you keep me a copy you know I think uh, especially my friend Thomas he, he said this is one shop in Tianmu that he always goes to and he knows the people there very well and you know they've always like kept a copy for him or called him up if there's a some, some game um, arrived early or something you know and sure. I, I just kind of felt like you know even though my get local Lego game store doesn't really have that much of a community around it I feel like given the opportunity I would maybe kind of support them uh, if I can you know because I feel like these small shops eventually they're going to be forced to close down you know they're already a lot less common um, and yeah, a lot less busy now than they yeah. were like in, in the, maybe the PS3 era you know but even, you know the other thing the other thing is actually thinking about it um, I still might end up downloading more these days just because Yes, there is a there is something nice about going into a game shop and buying a game and talking to the guy. But for me, I I also feel a little bit of shame, you know. Like if I've if I've spent too much money on a game on on games this month or something, <laughs> the idea of facing the same person who and him looking at me like, are you really gonna buy another game this month or are you really? There's something nice and anonymous about the online the, the downloading, you know. It you definitely just, you is more to, secretive. It's like when you're at the supermarket and someone's like, you know, the girl in the checkout is raising her eyebrow at what you're, you're buying and you sort of feel defensive about it even if it's a it's sort of like, you know, I'm not eating healthily or what kind of shopping basket is this, you know, like yeah. you don't have any vegetables so in there. She's silently judging you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I suppose anyone that works in a game shop, that's they're your kind of person, right? Yeah. But I mean, but still I these days I I like to I like I kind of like being a bit anonymous and uh, yeah, not yeah. really knowing what I mean for I'm I think for a game or, shop they'd probably be happy just for the sale. They don't care how many games you buy. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure they'd be I'm sure they'd be happy, but after I go they might be like saying, oh, this guy's got a problem, you know, we um, and then yeah, and then especially in Ponghu, every time I go out to buy anything, I run into my students. Yes. In, it's such a small it's like a village, you know, and yeah. everywhere I go I feel like I'm being watched and I'm uh, being judged. Like I might be in Seven Eleven on a Saturday you have morning to be picking at your up best some behavior. beers. Yeah. I might be picking up beers for a barbecue in the afternoon, but it's still like eight o'clock in the morning, and I've got a bunch of beers in my hand. And then a, you know, my like five year old student and a mum walks past, and I'm like, <laughs> so stupid yeah. foreigner getting drunk again at eight o'clock, <laughs> or buying video games that you know is like spending all his uh, all the business's money on video games. 
Yeah, I can sure. I can see how that is a uh, that can be a concern. Uh, anyway, we're going a little bit off topic here, um, JD. Let's talk about tonight's main game, and that is of course um, Middle Earth: Shadow of War. Um, did yes. you play the first? Let's start by asking you: uh, Did you play the first game? Did you play Shadow of Mordor? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and did you enjoy that game? And do you think it was uh, you know was it fun? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, and I think my um, my impression of it mirrored a lot of people's mm. just they weren't expecting anything they didn't exactly. know about it it was yeah. a complete sleeper hit and yeah i i borrowed it off a, off a friend who um who recommended it and put it in and was sort of instantly hooked um, yeah. and played um you know played played non-stop and really really addicted to it um and just the whole time i was playing i was like i can't believe how good it is i can't believe how good the the combat is and exactly i can't believe more people aren't talking about the it was definitely then, a sleeper hit yeah it was yeah. definitely one of those games that kind of came out of left field um i remember listening to podcasts where people were like hyping it up saying listen if you're sleeping on this game don't be it's gonna be huge but now like shadow of war coming out on the huge success and kind of eventually with word of mouth kind of reached a lot of people and uh reviews came out and uh the first shadow of mordor you know had a had a huge had a very good uh reception and i think it mm. sold pretty well too now shadow of war is coming out tell me about shadow of war um let's start talking about the story we're back with talion again right talion the main character That's and, right, yeah. and uh, the elf spirit galabrimbo uh, that yes. kind of possessed him in the first I'm glad game. you pronounced that instead of me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i did practicing. my research i, I did, do remember i did play the first game and finished it and i also really loved it so i remember yeah. at least these characters um tell me about the, the story and the setup how does it start and uh where does the, well, game the interesting the interesting thing is when i jumped into it um and started playing I had to actually go and read the wiki on um, Shadow of Mordor again mm. to remind myself: Is it the same characters? Are we playing, or is it, or is it somebody new? Uh-huh. And that just shows how um, sort of unmemorable for me the story of the first game was, and yeah. the characters, and basically nothing about that game story stuck in my head. Really? And I, I read about yeah, and mm. the fact that I wasn't sure if Talion and this um, Keller Brimbor yeah. um, guy were were the the same protagonists again you know goes to show that mm-hmm. they, they don't really bring those characters to the forefront of the game it's not really i, I suppose it's not really what 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 they went for yeah yeah i mean um, they so had when i jumped in again i was like okay yes it is these two guys fine um yeah let's but i couldn't remember really what i'd done i remember it was about revenge and someone's family had been killed and a bit of a gladiator sort of um mm-hmm. backstory but yeah, I mean, yeah, it basically I went, went uh, like the the story about what 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 captured what um, got my interest is the the um, Galibrimbor's uh, story because he was the one who was kind of um, tricked by you know Sauron to create the the One Ring you know and he was kind of possessed and or uh, betrayed by Sauron and used the ring for bad and and I know that that kind of law and so on is uh, isn't really talked about in really in the Lord of the Rings books and the, in the movies uh, this is more things that come came from the Silmarillion um, I don't know if you how, how knowledgeable you're on, on the lore and so on but I've always been interested in that story so seeing a little bit of bit of bit of that was like oh okay this is pretty interesting and you know uh, that's basically the only thing I remember I remember Italian who I thought was a pretty forgettable character but I remember Galarimor and his story and how that it kind of tied in with the world so yeah um, yeah well I think 
I'm I'm the same. I mean, I am a Lord of the Rings fan, but I'd say I'm a sort of a core fan. I mean, I I read the books, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and mm. you know watched the movies, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not a, a sort of lore um, sort of aficionado, and I'm not really you know deeply into that. The, the different stories and things, but obviously these are like important things for Lord of the Rings. You know, the person who crafted the the rings, the yeah. you know, um, they are sort of characters that should um, should really grip you. And I think the fact that yes, Celebrimbor was was the guy that crafted the rings should make him a very sort of important, memorable character. I guess the way the game is, it doesn't make either of the the main characters very interesting they're both pretty yeah. two-dimensional and it's yeah. the same in shadow of war they're 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 very dull boring characters very predictable everything they say every sort of opinion they have on anything <laughs> is just following the same the elf is mm-hmm. overly stern and overly sort of cynical and, and talion is a little bit more idealistic and you know still has more of his humanity left but Apart, from, they don't, they don't sort of waver or 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 try to bring out any other aspects in the characters throughout. Uh, I feel either of the the games, so mm. you you end you end up, you end up with a very yeah two dimensional character that ultimately is a bit forgettable. I think. Okay, interesting. And uh, so the game obviously continues from the first uh, first game. Uh, you know, they, they in the first one it's. You know, focusing on Galabrimbor's story and kind of Talion's, you know, family and blah blah. blah. Uh, this time you're you're up against Sauron again, am I right? And yeah. But, but this time you're not only just trying to defeat the big baddie, but you're also uh, recruiting a massive army this time around. So tell me a little bit about that part of the game. Yeah, um, it does have that. Again, it feels a little bit. Um... A little bit tired now this trope of starting off in a position of relative sort of powerlessness then something big happening that shakes everything up and then mm-hmm. basically starting from the ground up having to build up your own army I mean sort of Mass Effect 3 um, lots of games do it you know build a build an army so that you can sort of reclaim um, you know get back to where you were at the start almost or, yeah, 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 or, or yeah. face the big face the big baddies down um, and, and go out and recruit and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm sort of... I know why that story, that sort of trope is effective and why um, it appeals. And I enjoyed doing it. I've, I've enjoyed building up the army and, um, and, and going, using the Nemesis system to mm. do it. But, yeah, just nothing terribly exciting or, or original um, mm. has, has struck so, me in, in terms of story. Yeah, so the Nemesis system now is is back again, and there are a lot of uh, apparently a lot of changes to the or not a lot of changes, but additions to the gameplay. Um, how much has it, um, has the Nemesis system changed from what you remember? You know, is it? Uh, I've what I've seen is that the orcs have a little bit more variation and a little bit more personality this time around, and they already had a lot of personality in the first game. Tell me a little bit about the orcs and, and the Nemesis system and your uh, experience with that so far. Yeah, um, because the main characters are a little bit flat and forgettable, I, but I, I think that might be entirely deliberate. You know, because mm. just like Harry Potter or, or any of any any sort of story where the main character is kind of boring but it's his surrounding cast that that make the story what it is i think it's true for for this game as well because 
the orcs are without doubt the stars of the show you know every so much more thought and effort has gone into every one of their lines um, and the voice acting and everything is, is brilliant and I've played this game now I don't know how many hours actually but I've really played the hell out of it for the last week and I've must have met hundreds of orcs and none of them have been the same. That's crazy. And the way they're randomly generated is is brilliant. But they're they're obviously working with a lot of they're randomly generated, but in a way that you're very unlikely to see the same combo. I mean, mm. you'll notice the same kinds of voices, but the lines. Um, I don't think I've heard the same line delivered twice, and That's I've amazing, fought yeah. so many orcs. And so they they do have a lot more variety. They've got a lot. Um, they've got a big sort of a big range of different classes. But within each class, they've also got a range of, um, for example, you might have like berserkers, um, destroyers, slayers, assassins, tanks, and these things. Mm-hmm. But for each one of those, there is also there's another subset of like fire, terror, oh, um, a machinist. So when when you combine these, maybe sort of ten subclasses on one side and ten the the combinations that creates. Um, you know, sort of exponentially increases. There's yeah. so many different ways they can put these orcs together, and then their their um, their the character creation themselves, the armor that they're wearing, the faces, the, mm-hmm. the 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 things that they have on them, the things that they say, the thing, um, and, and obviously how it, your, it's your interaction with them too changes them. Yeah, the it, it does. So that that adds yet another layer upon it. Before you've even interacted with them, they feel very very unique um, and I think that's I, I've you know one of my problems with games that use randomly generated um, sort of systems like that is quickly things don't add up like he might mm-hmm. be a assassin but the thing he's saying makes him sound completely not like an assassin yeah, yeah, but, yeah. and his name doesn't match his personality but it worked the nemesis system the orcs in this game work so well that if somebody is called um um, Ganush the and he's a terror destroyer and his name is like Ganush the manslayer or the mm. ranger killer and he will say things that are really specific for his class and his, yeah. and his um his sort of character and yeah and then you, you, you fight them and depending on how that goes if they they might reappear later or mm. they might just die you might um, shame them or you might kill them and they might come back or you might um, recruit them and then but yeah, they, they remember what you do. They remember how you interact with them. And it's it's quite staggering, <laughs> the work that's gone into that system. Like That's clearly where yeah. they've invested their mo- most of their time. And apparently now, this time, there's a kind of a loyalty uh, system as well, sort of, depending on how you treat your orcs. You know, you can get some that are a little bit more antagonistic towards you and some that are very loyal and some whose loyalties can kind of change and, you know, uh, throughout the course of the game, depending on if you've left him for dead or whatever. And I've heard uh, it's even possible for some of your loyal orcs that you've dominated to actually turn against you and go back to Sauron. Yeah, and this is this is actually something I, I really like. and. Any game where you have followers and there's a loyalty system, I end up feeling it's a chore to manage the system and oh okay, I need to go to this character now and say nice things to them, maybe mm-hmm. give them a present and, and you know boost their but it's in a very predictable way, you know, okay I've got a decision to make between this character and this character and whichever one I choose the other one's gonna get pissed off. But 
I'm not convinced actually there is a, a loyalty system in mm -hmm. Shadow of White. I don't know what's going on, you know, under the under the skin of the game. But for me it feels pretty random. Like, yeah, you okay. do get betrayed. Um, it doesn't happen too it doesn't happen often enough to make it a sort of what's the point of doing this if they're just gonna turn on me anyway. It, it's it's fairly rare, but when it does it can often lead to sort of a headache at the wrong time, oh, but that's all part of the fun. You might just be going in to yeah. fight another high-level captain, and you're surrounded by other grunts, mm. and you know the battle's challenging. And then someone walks in that you thought was on your side. You'd spent time leveling him, so he was a, a real high-level orc that you plan mm. to use in a in a assault. And then suddenly he's turned on you, and you're like, "Well, now I don't have him for this, and now he's attacking me, and you, maybe you're gonna die." Um, and um, it, I think it works really, really well because it isn't predictable. Okay. And things happen, and you're left wondering: Was that because I demoted him and I stopped him? Uh, you know, I took him down from being a war chief because I replaced him, or was it random, or is he just an orc? And orcs, you know, they're, mm. they're stabbing each other in the back all the time anyway. So you can't really be surprised by anything that happens in it. And um, for, for me, it it just works because I'm not left feeling it's predictable or boring, but yeah, I'm also yeah, yeah. not left feeling that it's too random or I can't, you know, control anything. So uh, this time around they introduced the, the wyverns, the ringwraiths, right? And these are also recruitable, the, the little dragons. Oh, the, the, the drakes, as yeah, they the call drakes, them. Yeah, yeah um, drakes, the not so much recruitable. The, there's, there's, um, there are like different sort of classes of beast in the game, and yeah, you, um, if you, at a certain stage in the game, if you injure them to a certain level, you can dominate them okay. and then ride them. Um, and the the Drake is one you get pretty late in the game if you okay. follow a certain storyline through. And um, yeah, basically, it's a it's a it's a mount, you know, you mm -hmm. can call it, and you can get somewhere on it. Um, and yeah, it's 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 kind of fun, not not game changing. Okay, I don't okay. think it's. And uh, there's uh, sorry, I just need to correct myself there. Yeah, I, I I was reading up on some of the enemy types, and it says ring wraiths. Ring wraiths, and immediately I thought they were the drakes, but the the drakes are something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, ring wraiths are, are the Nazgul, right? The, the, Nazgul, the, the nine, right. Yeah, the nine yeah. men and elves. Exactly. That, um, Took the rings, and, yeah. and they're also in the game. They like mini bosses. They, or they they are actually. Okay. And I was going to follow up when you said about the story and um, Shadow of Mordor story was fairly um, for me was I think I enjoyed it at the time, but then mm -hmm. I forgot about it after, and I'll probably forget about this story as well. But the the ring wraiths are the one interesting thing about this story in this game because you you end up fighting them individually and also um, getting flashbacks from how they fell so it's more mm. it's more lore um, I don't know how much of it um, is made up or how much of it you know it comes from talking but some of their stories are actually the most interesting um, sort of storytelling elements of the game some mm. of it's pretty moving stuff you know you, <laughs> you you find out one 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 guy who's um, one of the the men who who was offered a ring was ambushed by his um, by his sort of enemy that wanted to marry his daughter and he refused and then he's he's killed and then he he ends up bringing this guy uh, Sauron brings this guy back from the dead and he goes to get revenge on on this rival who's kidnapped his daughter but ends up killing his daughter um, by accident and then ah, so so it's emotional sort of heavy hitting stuff and 
but that's that's almost um, yeah that's not central to the story at all. But mm. I, I do like how you discover more about the the Nazgul. And, Interesting. Um, they're not just big bad guys, you know, sort of dressed in black. They they have they don't have much of their humanity left but you can still you know find out a little bit about about them before okay interesting so they kind of form uh, they kind of tie back into the story a little bit more than, than than they used to yeah and you feel a little bit of sympathy perhaps and a little bit yeah so yeah it's, it's if, more it's more if you're a Tolkien fan and you're into Lord of the Rings it's there's some interesting um, tidbits there for you cool yeah that's it I like that kind of thing and I, I remember the first game you know, even though there wasn't as much of that, uh, every now and again, oh, I felt like at least they they handled the law with respect. Even though they, you know, they would take their own liberties and uh, and the way they, they handled it. Overall, you can see the people who uh, part who you know made the game were fans, are fans of the source material. So they didn't go f- too loose with their interpretations of some of the characters and backstories and, you know, the source material, which I thought was pretty good. Um, JD, I quickly want to talk about uh, combat and uh, skills and leveling and those kind of things. Tell me a little bit about that. This game seems to have a lot more RPG in its action RPG. So tell me about about that. How has your experience been? Yeah, I've heard different descriptions. Um, uh, For me, it doesn't feel like a... A proper RPG, just mm. because I don't think you have much um, much in the way of agency, um, or you know, sort of. I, I don't feel particularly like I'm role playing. But um, in terms of it being sort of a, an open world action game, yeah, it, it does what it it sets out to do really, really well. And, mm. and that was the main thing. I think that's the thing that drew drew most people to the original game was how fun the combat is, moment to moment, and. Um, it's true in this one as well. It's just you know the combat system. You're you know you you most people are familiar with the, the Batman. Yeah, they do count, compare it with the Batman system. Combat system yeah. And it's just a, a better, more improved, more polished mm. sort of incremental you know um, improvement on 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 those games. And it's really really good. I mean, the yeah. combat is just totally addictive to the extent where. You're sometimes just fighting people. You have no need to fight for no reason, and you're just doing it for the, the sheer joy of it. And um, it was the, fun, even in the first of, game, you know. Lots of improvements. I, as I've got further on in the game, I've actually found it less fun. I think there are certainly some things that are annoying me about it now. So yeah, it's a basic, you know, attack, light attack, heavy attack, counter, um, dodge. And you get the prompts for when you need to counter mm. and when you need to dodge and things. And some um, skills and everything that goes together. With yeah, that. lots of skills, sort of lots of sort of multi button combinations to to perform executions to um, things that you know originally you you can just sort of dodge and then later you can vault over and later that vault over will freeze them and you mm-hmm. can get some like special hits on them while oh, they're cool. frozen. Later you can get some air of effect. Um, stuff where you know pound the ground and you know, stun enemies nearby, fairly standard stuff um, that just works because just like Batman, it's so fluid and so cinematic that it never looks broken, and you really yeah. feel powerful and that like, you can control a battlefield um, while it still is challenging. But for me, where it goes wrong later in the game is the enemies get shielded, and more and more enemies with sort of great shields and things oh, that I have see. these uncounterable attacks where you okay, see the, the prompt coming in and it's a, a dodge prompt you know you have to hit x mm-hmm. 
which means basically you just roll away. But enemies start spamming that later in the game, so mm. you can't you can't do anything against them apart from dodge. And if they're all throwing this attack at you, you're dodging all the time, and they yeah. have shields. So if you launch a a, you know, a light attack against them, you're you're not gonna be successful. And I I felt yeah. like they've relied on that too much to for maybe to make it challenging but i'm like why can't i counter this enemy with a, a shield and spear surely my character has yeah. something he can do like he can knock the shield aside or so i can imagine I, that I being like even it, a bigger problem because in later games they throw I, i'm assuming they're throwing a lot more enemies at you at the same time too yeah you get surrounded by enemies with shields where you can't counter you can only they make dodge, the shield wall <laughs> and it get yeah it's 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 got a bit it gets a little bit frustrating the the most the it's more fun in the early part of the game mm. where there's so many enemies with without much, you know, in the way of armor that are throwing attacks at you that you can you can um, counter with triangle because that's where it's and it's still challenging. Like later on in the game, you'll get extra things like you can um, you can double counter. So often you're having two oh, counters at the same time and you double counter and the ring wraith sort of half of you, Kalimbro sort of. Um, he sort of moves out of you and he moves to counter the enemies ah, while cool. you continue fighting. So you see this. It's really cool. Yeah, you, you sort of split in half yeah. and half of you goes off to counter one enemy while the other follows up on another. And you can like tap it a couple of times um, and it and it works. And then you have the last chance thing where when you're about to, um, when you take a sort of a, a killing blow, a fatal you get hit. a final mm. quick time um, button press to ah, okay, cool. save you, which... I really like it. it almost I'm adds a another, rhythm to There was death. another game. So there was another game that had that feature in as well. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it literally yeah. gave you like a few seconds as you're bleeding out to. I can't remember if it was like Borderlands or one of the other. It was a shooter or something. You got yeah, shut down. You not, fall down. You could kill the enemy that killed you, and you could stand right, stand up. Right. If you time it perfectly later mm. in the game, you can get like a a, a, a counter that will kill the enemy that was attacking you ah, cool. which is it's fun it comes pretty late so it's mm. you're never at the stage where you want it to happen because the timing is very it, it happens very suddenly and you have you know one of four buttons to press yeah so you know it's coming but still sometimes if you're too nervous you'll hit the wrong button yeah and you're in the heat button. of battle i'm sure as well you're trying to survive <laughs> but it is it is nice um to, to have that and then you and then of course when you die it's one of these games where they're almost sort of self-aware. You're playing a video game. They know mm. you are going to die. And instead of just dying and restarting and being um, having the moment broken, you're, you know, the dying is a central part of the game. You're the grave walker. And all, when you're walking around the world, the enemies are all commenting on how many times you've died. And, oh, and, interesting, you know, yeah. The, the fact that they call you the grave walker and they talk about you. That's another thing, actually. I've never overheard the same conversation between two orcs. That's amazing. Yet. Which is also amazing. They they've put so much time into um, into the the sort of script writing and you know, yeah for the for the minor grunts mm. like you know most games you'll hear the same thing over and over again after an hour mm. you've already heard every line. Haven't heard the most of the conversations. I, I haven't heard them more than once. And and um, yeah, so the fact that you die and it means something. Like you continue. There's no going back. There's no loading a save game to make something happen in a different way. Everything that happens influences the game in a in another direction, yeah. and you have to live with all your mistakes um, uh, as as you go forward and accept that you're not perfect. You're not 
you're not unkillable. Mm. Lots of orcs will end up killing you and will boast about it. Um, but but that... it forms an integral part of the game too, you know. Yeah. Because a lot of I, times I it also... say a little if... bit yeah. about, about one of the, the, the most enjoyable aspects for me is the Nemesis system. Yeah. It is how I've gotten kind of obsessional over hunting down people that have like wronged me in the game. And it's it's kind of funny, but you'll you'll drop everything in the story to hunt down the one orc that killed you and is now, you know, raised up to a higher level. He's been promoted, and you get these moments. Things happen that seem pretty random, where an enemy will kill you, and then one thing happened once where the enemy broke my sword, and it was my favorite sword, the weapon that you know I really like to use had great perks and things. He broke it over his knee and then I went <laughs> down. I went to hunt him down um, to pay him back for breaking my favorite yeah, sword. Revenge. It, it was a tough battle, yeah. And yeah. I, I found him and I, I hunted him down. I beat him. And then after I beat him, I had the chance to reforge the sword, which made it stronger than it oh, originally was. Wow, I leveled amazing. up this sword. And it was just one of those moments in the game where I'm like, wow, that was, you know, Unexpected, it, but very it, cool. It has only yeah. happened once. Yeah. Maybe it happens to everybody. I don't know. Maybe it happens yeah. once in everyone's playthrough or something. But the nemesis system and, and the the way that you are emotionally manipulated towards revenge or yeah, towards yeah, yeah. you know pursuing somebody that's not really important um, is what makes the, the game. Maybe that does make it yeah. a sort of an RPG because yeah, I feel like this is the only game that kind of, uh, you know, gives a purpose to or can possibly give a purpose to all, to otherwise meaningless grunts. You know, these grunts can kind of, you know, form and forge a story within your story, you know, which is... Yeah, and nobody else, you go on YouTube and you yeah. won't be able to find someone else with the same video of yeah. the orc that killed you and what they said when they did it, and then what happened when you hunted them down, yeah. and then, you know, what the result was. There might be some, you know, there must be some similarities and mm. similar things going on, but it makes, it makes the, it makes playing it, it's one of the few games where I've really felt it's unpredictable, and it's responding to everything I do in a way that will make it a unique, a unique experience for me. Yeah. Interesting. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we go on uh, is, you know, uh, I, I know this game, what I've read is uh, that Shadow of War now puts quite a bit of emphasis on, you know, specific kinds of loot and you have different weapons with uh, different rarity tiers and, uh, you know, they get dropped by enemies. Um, and now what's tying this together kind of is, and what has been one of the more controversial parts of the game, is the the, the, the loot boxes or the, I'm not sure what they, exactly what they're called. And also along with that also is the microtransactions. Now, um, that was a kind of a, a long description. Tell me a little bit about the, the kind of weapons and uh, do you feel like, through the playthrough you've always been sufficiently equipped and so on and you feel like you had to do um, a certain amount of grinding to uh, achieve better weapons or uh, you've always felt like the drops you've gotten have been sufficient for what you needed um, yeah this is one of the strange things that has I haven't felt um, that this has influenced me at all and it was one of the the things when I you know first came on the on the TG Facebook group and yeah. said I was buying this game, you know, people were talking about 
Shadow of War and people are saying, well, I'm going to hold off because I don't like the idea of these loot boxes and microtransactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, I haven't, I haven't experienced any of it because gear for me doesn't feel important at all. Mm. Like, it, it's strange. It's, you know, because this is what people were talking about when the game came out and people were really worrying about it. Actually, for me, gear is just almost irrelevant. I okay. mean, it's incremental damage increases with um, certain buffs, certain um, certain status effects and things uh, that, that you can unlock. And yes, there is a normal stuff and um, rare, epic, and legendary. But you get drops throughout the game. You're constantly getting better gear, but it, you never get a new sword and I'm like, oh wow, I've got this amazing sword and now I'm carving through enemies or now, I'm, now I can do the stuff that I wanted to mm. do. I can set enemies on fire. You end up changing your weapon every time you get something slightly better and sometimes some of the things that the weapons do aren't helpful. Like I, I have this one sword where I killed, when I, whenever I killed an enemy with it, it would have, the enemy would have a 20% chance of exploding after I killed them. Oh, when you're trying to do a stealth mission, you don't want exploding enemies all the time. Okay. And the exploding enemies like were damaging me, so I was like, well, I, I like the... Again, they're randomly generated, so you might yeah. have one really cool ability. It's like poisoning enemies or cursing them, setting them on fire, but then something that doesn't appeal or is, is unhelpful. Mm. So it, ultimately, it just... It hasn't bothered me. I, I haven't even investigated the market to see what's for sale or, or what loot boxes oh, okay, I can do. Up to now, I haven't actually played online, so I haven't yeah. got the these spoils of war chests that have mm. um, high level gear in. But again, it doesn't feel necessary because none of the none of the gear increases. Like the better gear you can get seems to make much of a difference to the, the core of the gameplay. You're okay. still going to be you know, doing the same attacks, counters, and my weapons have felt sufficient throughout the game. I just realized, like, yesterday when I was playing that I hadn't equipped a gem in one of the slots that would give me a 20% damage increase. So I was oh, like, wow. oh, wow, how, how did I not know about that? So yeah. I, I equipped the gem and now, but I don't really notice the damage increase. Like, I'm still playing the game in exactly the same way. So, so no I really don't know what all the fuss is about. Yes, yeah, so you at no point you felt like, wow, my gear really sucks. I'm gonna go jump into the online store and see what they have there if I can buy a loot box. There's not, no, not been nothing no, no way. Okay. And yeah. and I think you know, for example, a game like Destiny would be far more likely to tempt me into mm. spending real money on a weapon that had a, you know, a Galahorn or something that would give me a real edge yeah. in a certain situation. But actually, the the weapons are pretty boring you know the the mm -hmm. swords the daggers they all look basically the same the armor all looks basically the same cosmetically there's you know not much to choose between and um chances are whatever you get you'll get something a little bit better later on you'll mm -hmm. swap to that and then you'll you know you'll just keep building up stuff i guess also i, I mean i'm playing it on normal like i play all games i haven't yeah I haven't you know experimented with harder difficulty levels where maybe having a little bit of an edge would would matter. I've, I haven't found any stages so far in the game that have posed enough challenge to make me really consider if I've got the right gear or I need to switch something up. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you about, since you talked about the, um, what's it, legendary uh, gear, or oh, no, was, mm -hmm. what did you say? You said you mentioned something about, uh, what was it, um, these 
chests or something you get war chests or spoils of war spoils yeah. of war yeah so these are only acquired by doing the online bits yeah i believe okay, so there okay. so at a certain stage in the game when you unlock the um the fortresses and the siege the siege battles and things mm -hmm. you can go online and attack other people's um other people's fortresses, fortresses yeah. in a way that you know, won't affect their game at all. It's a mm. separate, you know, online okay, thing gotcha. where you know you, it won't affect your single-player game. And I think if you defeat them, you get a spoils of war chest where you're guaranteed to get a legendary weapon or something like that. And I haven't tried it yet, just because I I want to get through the story and the finish the game first, and then see what the end game has to offer. I okay. imagine that's that 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 will be fun, but I won't be doing it for the for the chess. Mm. I think I'll just be doing it because actually the the sieges um are you know the, possibly the the most uh exciting part of the game actually. okay so tell me about the sieges you're you you have your own fortress and then you are you know with your army of orcs you are going to siege other fortresses how does that work um so y you get into a new region and in that region there are different um sort of uh over, um, not overlords, just different regional commanders that all have their own little little areas, and mm. you can go to this army uh, map where you can see all the different orcs um, that are in this area and their ranks and the the war chiefs and the over the overlord, which is the sort of chief orc of that region mm. in his um, in his fortress, and your sort of objective is to uh, take that take that fortress so you basically do the same thing in every region you get intel on the captains okay. the low level enemies you kill or dominate then turn them to your side and then um, some of those will be bodyguards to these war chiefs mm -hmm. these are the guys that are responsible for the defenses of the fortress um, and it's pretty fun because you can you can infiltrate these war chiefs by turning their bodyguards and then their bodyguards will lead them into ambushes and you ah, can sort of watch you can go to the mission and and, and watch the the bodyguards turn on their um, <laughs> war chiefs and start like stabbing them in the back uh, it's really it's really fun and, yeah, and cool. then at that stage you could just sit there and watch or you could jump down and you know get into the fray yourself <laughs> and um you never know how it's going to go like the war chief might defeat his bodyguards if you just sit there and watch um but once these war chiefs are taken down, yeah. their part of the castle's defenses are sort of deactivated. So they might have they, the fortress might have um, might have uh, lava that pours off the walls, or it might have ah, um, these siege beasts that fire things at the at the uh, the attackers, or mm. um, spiked walls and, and these sort of things. So these these fortresses are quite like I mean they are castle like structures. Oh yeah, there. they're they're, they're huge. a lot more because I was gonna say I say how does it differ from the first game because if, but the first game didn't really have that many I mean there were these structures throughout the game but you could find a war chief or or a high level enemy just you know roaming in the open world they weren't necessarily tied mm. to one specific castle or fortress or whatever so this time they're kind of they it's have their own little fortress or whatever. Um, well, it's still it's still that you'll find them roaming in the map. They'll have their area, but there is one area of the map which is the fortress, the the big, you know, the big oh, okay. castle. And even even though you might find them in one area of the map, they will still once you trigger the 
assault on the fortress, they will be in their position defending the Oh, castle. I see, I see. So, there are specific times of the game where that happens. Yeah, so yeah. at a certain stage, when you feel you've tipped the balance enough, mm-hmm. when you feel like you've turned enough orc captains, you have enough sort of... Um, you, ha- you have enough lieutenants, you've taken down enough defences, you trigger the um, the assault, which goes, you know, into a new sort of mode where you're at the head of I an see. army. And you. each one of your captains has an, a small, you know, sort of battalion around him. And <laughs> before the before the assault, you choose what you want them to have. So, like, one, one captain might be able to um, have, like, a, a team of sappers with him that will blow up the gates, or that you might have someone that can have a, a like a war grog with them like a big cave troll that will smash things or someone that has um like archers or fire archers or mm. something like that so you have to spend money on that like the, the game the the game currency on upgrading those like assault oh, features okay. and then when you attack the the fortress it's sort of their defenders with their abilities against your attackers but you're also in the mix so you know you can T- and your guys will run your at the gate. It's, the it's really thrilling. Thing. It's exhilarating. You know, yeah. your guys run at the gates. You, if you breach the gates, you run through to take various control points. Do you like um, uh, give them a little speech beforehand? You got your yeah, whole exactly. army outside yeah. the, the the gates, and you're like walking in front on your on your horse. Exactly. Or your what? Well, like what's the what's the mount called? Like caragors. Caragors. Yeah. Riding your caragor in front of your army, with your sword in the in the air, and you're like giving this victory speech. <laughs> Exactly, and then you point your sword at the, exactly. at, the at the castle, and half of your face turns into the the bright lord. And someone blows um, the war horn. Exactly, and then your men surge forward. But then you know, then it's started, and you're free to do whatever you want. That's so awesome. what I usually do is like run straight for the walls, ignore whatever my guys doing, because you can scale things in this game, like ah, cool. Assassin's Creed. Mm. You can climb anything. So. Uh, you immediately, you know, the, the gates and the walls don't stop you. So you're immediately up and over the gates. And, and the caragors also can kind of, you can mount them and they climb. Yeah, too. they can yeah. climb as well. Yeah, yeah awesome. And the grogs as well, they yeah. climb kind of slowly, the trolls. But you can, oh, they cool. can climb anything you can climb as well. Awesome. And then you can get a drake. So you can you can be flying in on your dragons oh, nice. and start blasting <laughs> everyone with fire. But it's it's great because you're, it's a, it's a sort of big scale mm, battle, mm, mm. castle, you know battle but you're also you know in the moment you're doing you know the same combat system that you've you've been playing and sometimes you don't you're not even aware of what's going on in the battle like your guys might be have broken through the gates but you've gone somewhere else and fighting but eventually you know you take these control points and when you've taken them all throughout the castle and the castle's like a little city by the way it's not just you know once you're once you've taken the control points you get to go into the like the throne room of the the fortress and take on the overlord oh, gotcha. in a sort of a one on one battle. Boss, boss well, not one on one because he's got loads of um, minions that you have to deal with as well. But th- that's the only part of the game that's given me trouble actually is bringing down the overlords because ah, okay. you can get overwhelmed by the other guys in there. Gotcha. But it's thrilling, and then and then the castle defense is is just as fun. But I, I was going to say one thing about um, stop me if I'm rambling. Okay, no worries, no worries. <laughs> one thing about taking on the castles actually uh, I was going to ask you just uh, yeah I mean do you feel like this whole castle siege is it's is Shadow of War's most significant new feature is that probably the most exciting part yeah of the game? it takes over the game because basically mm. when you go into a new region no matter what story markers are on the map what things that you know you're supposed to be doing all you're thinking about is getting the captains on your side killing a few mm. guys killing the war chiefs and taking the castle it becomes your 
main purpose in the game. And they do bring it into the story. You, okay. know, you are supposed to take these castles, but you don't necessarily have to do it as quickly or as sort of like obsessively as I was doing it. That was all I was interested in doing was <laughs> building an army, taking the castle. But the interesting thing was, so I mentioned these war chiefs are the guys that are responsible right. for like castle defenses. So obviously you want to weaken the castle as much as possible, right? You want to take out the war chiefs, disable the defenses and things. But I found that after I'd done all that, the castle assault itself wasn't that as much fun because it felt too easy. Oh, I so see. So I'd done so much preparation <laughs> that the actual climax of the battle, there weren't any pots of oil being poured on us or poison ah, or spears. You've weakened them enough that they don't have anything to yeah, fight Yeah, I, I just totally weakened. And, and then basically I could get in, take the control points from low-level enemies, fight a captain or two, but it was too easy. Mm -hmm. And at that point, by the time I was doing it for the third time, I was like, shall I just leave a few of these guys <laughs> up so to make it more fun in the fight? But then... That's obviously not what you would do if you were really, you know, in you know, if you're really leading an army, you wouldn't make things more difficult for yourself. So I feel they they give you almost um, too much power to prepare and to make the battle easier than it it should be. I see. Be yeah, yeah. Fun. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, this is but by, by far like the castle part. That's by far the most. Uh, I feel like the, the, the feature that they've been toting the most, you know, everybody talks about the nemesis system and, and that's great and all, but I feel like this castle siege and you like, you know, the, it feels like the, the, the fruits of your hard work, you know, um, exactly. is more set, it has a more satisfying end when you do this big it castle. It gives a battle. focus to the nemesis yeah. system because in Shadow of Mordor, mm. I was, yeah, I was, I was killing captains, I was, but I didn't know why I was doing it. Some of it was just for fun. Some and of revenge. it was because I wanted to, yeah, revenge, or I wanted to kill all of them, or I wanted to. But in this one, it's like, okay, we need to take the captains down, the bodyguards. Then we need to get the war chiefs. Then we can assault the castle. We can take the castle, and then we can like move on. And um, and once you've taken the castle, you open up the fighting pits, which mm. is another one of the. Ah, there's cool. so many things to talk about in this game, but the fighting pits are interesting because you. You basically select orcs that you've um, turned and have them fight against other orcs. Um, and if they win, they get a, a boost to their level. And if okay. they lose, you can then run in, attack the guy that beat them, and turn them. And then ah. you can, you're basically whittling down That's the weakest cool. in your ranks and, like, you know, finding new, stronger champions. To fight with, and they but, also get stronger by winning battles. Like yeah, they do. yeah. Oh, okay, and then when you turn them, they get a boost to their level as well. So often, your guy dying in the fighting pits ends up being beneficial to you because he wasn't that great anyway, and now you've just got a, a new, a higher level a guy out of it. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you might have had this orc since like the beginning of the game, and I had this orc die today. He was a, he was like the first orc I dominated. And he'd um, he'd been with me for like the whole game, and I sent him in again into a pit fight against an enemy that he should have been able to beat, but he just didn't. And ah. you watch it, you watch it in real time, and you're sort of you feel like a parent on the sidelines of a, a sports <laughs> game, like shouting at a guy because you're just like you're not Go you're not doing me. it, you're not stabbing him, you're just standing there, and then you know like a caragor jumps on Go him. Go for and the then... knees, like I taught you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and and there's so many things in the fight that can go differently it's not yeah. always the, the best 
guy wins. It's not like the level 27 will always beat the level 26. Like some of my lower level guys beat higher level guys because they got lucky, you know, and oh, lots of. But I actually spent a lot of time watching orcs fight each other and not doing anything. Which is hmm. weird in a game, right? You're yeah. totally like hands off. There's nothing you can do to influence the fight. And um, and and that but in the in the last stage of the game, you've got to do this a lot because you the last stage of the game is actually defending all your castles oh, yeah, against the endless sort of attack. And you have to basically get all your orcs up to scratch. And I see. You've got to that's the, get the main way to do it is to use the fighting pitch. So ah, okay, you end up. You can play it. You can be. Play, I played for like two hours today, and I don't think I really did anything apart from passively watch orcs fight each other. <laughs> but that is that's that's sort of reveals. Yeah. What's been going on in the game, like the different classes and how they fight and how they how different combinations of orc fight in different ways and things. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of fun. You get in, you get to see the. You know, the, the skeleton of the game at work. But. Interesting. Um, I want to, uh, Jerry, kind of go to the Metacritic and talk about the game's reception. Um, it has been overall received pretty well. I'm looking at the Metascore uh, for the PS4 version, sitting at a pretty healthy 84%. Uh, I want to quickly just uh, take out a few reviews, kind of the Ooh. high range and the middle and then the lower range. Um, IGN gave it probably one of the highest scores, 90%. Um, it is uh, similar uh, to the, uh, this is now from IGN's uh, review, similar to the way Batman Arkham City built on the foundations of Arkham Asylum. Uh, middle Earth Shadow War is bigger and more ambitious in scope than Shadow of Mordor with great results. The way it expands the Nemesis system with far greater variety and fortress sieges make even better use of the standout generated characters and its battles with the memorable Uruk captains remain challenging all the way through, uh, all the way through the campaign and into the clever asynchronous multiplayer beyond. Mm. That's from IGN. Uh, Polygon uh, a little bit lower in this, uh, give it 75, saying if you can get past the microtransactions, uh, Shadow War seems to provide a much meatier extended playtime than Shadow Mordor uh, ever offered. But more than anything, it uh, that's wow, that's my biggest disappointment with Middle, uh, Shadow, uh, Middle Earth Shadow War. Everything about it seems to come with a caveat. Some small annoyances or two that you need to dig past to get the still very fun game underneath. Uh, the Nemesis system is still is still a wonder that has yet to be replicated. The movement and combat are still thrilling. Um, so they they basically knocked it a, a big chunk, you know, mo partly because of the microtransactions. So um, then Destructoid is in lower end too with a 70% saying uh, uh, Shadow of War has a lot of fluff that attempts to sabotage it, but the game succeeds in its efforts to make its world worth roaming around, killing things in, and killing things in. Although I wasn't enthralled by the silly story beats that try to dance around telling an actual epic and somber tale, the ability to create my own stories with an expanded level of depth was more than sufficient to call this a step up. So that right. is basic, yeah, and sitting sitting at a, at a pretty healthy 84, I think that is a little bit lower than the first game, if I'm if I remember correctly. But also the first time, the first game was the was the first time that the Nemesis system was done, and it came completely out of left field. Like I said, so people just did not expect it to do as well as it did, or be as 
as good of a game as it was. So yeah. um, I think here going into this game, people have kind of expected uh, something, and uh, you know they you know maybe have become less forgiving for its uh, flaws. Mm. Anyway, um, Jenny, in closing, um, how do you feel about the game? Has it uh, kind of lived up to your expectations? Has it surprised you? Do you wish it did something more? Um, tell us about your, your kind of your final your verdict. Um, and whether or not you think it's worth getting. Yeah, I think it's absolutely worth getting, but I feel like it's one of those games for me that um, it's almost a guilty pleasure. It, I enjoy this sort of game where I I feel super powerful in the game, mm. and I'm the Nemesis system is a wonder. I think it, it's fair to say that the, the first game pioneered it, and, and the second game only built on it in fairly small ways so you cannot really you won't be too surprised by anything that happens in the second mm. game if you played the first game like it won't blow you away you know the sort of things that can happen already so mm. you, you won't get that same open mouth reaction to it but um there's yeah, still a lot of surprises you've still been surprised more i've more still been surprised that. i've still had some real standout moments yeah. and the combat the story, I feel, I feel a lot of the criticism that's going to be directed at it is, is through its weak story, mm. but I feel like it, it wants to be known through its nemesis system, um, and that is the, the real attraction, but it the has to have a story. Show, I, yeah. I think the story is serviceable, I think mm. it, it, it works, and it, it makes what you're doing in the nemesis system make sense. They do tie in together, you're not doing two separate things without mm -hmm. you know, a connection, but um, I, I will say that I think some of the reviews I've read have touched on how it, it's too big and there's mm. too much thrown into it that, that doesn't need to be there and it could be a, a tighter, more streamlined game. And, and I would say that I think the, the two views are a little bit... Um, you can't reconcile them because the Nemesis system wants to be huge and yeah, wants yeah. to have endless possibilities and the story, or, or maybe some traditional games, want to have a, a more funneled, you know, sort of laser focus. I, I have felt like the, the elements that I've enjoyed the most are the Nemesis system, but that system does end up feeling, making you feel a little bit rudderless at times. Like, mm -hmm. I, I played for hours on end, and at the end of it, been like, what have I, what have I just, what have I been doing in the game? You know, I've just been sort of plowing through these orc captains yeah. and doing the same thing over and over. As much variation as there is with the individual orcs and the, 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 you know, the things they say, you're basically rinsing and repeating over and over again. Mm. You're, you're getting intel, fighting captains, turning them to your side, killing some, taking a war chief out, taking a fortress, and then you're doing the same thing in a new region, and then you're doing some story missions along the side that don't really feel yeah. important but um, i feel but like i mean this is totally fine as long as it's fun as long as you're having fun doing that then the kind of the grind isn't it doesn't feel like a grind i mean it doesn't feel like oh yeah. i have to go spend that much time <laughs> doing. if you're like always busy and you're always doing something interesting i mean because I, I heard this game is quite a time sink i don't know how much time it is. put into but it is a um, lot as you, long you as you almost feel like engaged, you're, yeah. you almost feel like you're at work you know you feel like you've got this huge <laughs> this huge workload to yeah. get through and getting through it is fun like mm -hmm. you know moment to moment but 
it's still I, I I watched this TV show once that made a sort of analogy where it's like just like um, being a sniper in a tower picking off civilians it's fun at first but it quickly becomes a tiresome chore I see like yeah. as fun as something can be at first if you end up doing too much of it it, it, even the, the funnest thing the most exciting well, yeah. shooting civilians obviously but like <laughs> um, but yeah this this game this game it, it's core is, is super fun but the sheer volume can be put could, off for some could, people could yeah. just it could just make mm. you could get sick of it easily mm. like I I think um, some sessions I, I've just turned it off I've been like okay I need a break now. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And also, I will say as well, I think, because I've seen some ethical concerns raised over the game as well. It's it's kind of interesting, but you're... They, they've made orcs more human in this game. They've, mm. they've given them more... Um, a, a sort of a, a more deep set of personalities and desires and mm. motivations and goals that have... Uh, has really humanized them beyond the... An enemy that you can kill without feeling a any... nameless grunt. You know, it's not just a nameless grunt you're killing. Not, yeah. yeah, a nameless grunt. But if if you're just like, okay, these guys are pure evil, I'm killing them, and I'm doing the world a favor, like Nazis or whatever. Yeah, I think you can you can hold you can forget the um, that sort of ethical quandaries that are raised up by slavery and, and other things. Mm, that I see what you mean. But yeah. I think the game is actually self-aware of that. There, there are moments in the game where an, a character will say to you, like, that after you've done something, they were like, that was cruel. Like, <laughs> you didn't need to do that. And and you are not supposed to be a knight in shining armor yeah, through yeah. any of it. And okay, for Lord of the Rings, having that real gray area, I think, is where they've messed with the formula a little bit. There's not I that see many what you mean, gray yeah. areas in Lord of the Rings, but yeah. I think it it makes you think a lot about wider issues about is it okay to be interesting yeah. killing and, and the fact that there's just so much endless killing yeah can turn even the most hardcore sort of action gamer off after a while it's like could I do something for a moment that doesn't just involve chopping someone's head off running yeah. someone through with a sword it's very graphic it's very yeah. brutal and you get I mean, saturated it, with violence. It does a better job. I mean, it, it seems like they at least try to, you know, uh, give a little bit of a weight to your decisions and a weight to your killing. Whereas, you know, a lot of more, uh, you know, action, a lot of action games, like you said, you're just killing hordes and hordes of of people in a game, and you're like, well, you, you know, and then you're just you're still the strappy, you know, happy-go-lucky uh, treasure hunter, you yeah. know, and you're supposed <laughs> to be the, we're supposed to be the good guy, you know, and but you just mow down, like, hordes and hordes of soldiers, but, you know, they're soldiers, bad guys, you know, but right. it seems here they're doing a, a bit more of a... And they shot uh, at you first, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but the, there's this the specific element of, like, this sort of mind-breaking thing where you, um, later on in the game, you have this power called... Um, uh, shame worse than death and you oh, basically wow. destroy the enemy's mind and there's a revenge mission um, set of stories that that require you to do this at the end and after you really f I felt pretty uncomfortable I felt like um, <laughs> I felt like I'm not cool with like, if I'd been given a choice in the final moment about what to do I wouldn't yeah. have done it like it didn't feel <laughs> right and I felt 
a little bit dirty after. Interesting. So, uh, okay. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting. They yeah. they they make you feel pretty bad in the game. <laughs> For a Lord I, of the Rings game, it's not. Yeah. It would, I wouldn't say it's a children's game. <laughs> interesting. Cool. Awesome, JD. Um, I think that's a good uh, jumping off point for tonight. Um, we've been recording actually for quite a long time, but we got uh, quite a lot of detail. Um, you know, I think if this game is, if you listen to the podcast by now, I think JD probably have given you guys a, a good idea of what to expect if you haven't decided to jump in yet. Um, I mean, last thing is you said, like, you know, we shouldn't worry about the microtransactions. It's not like in your face. I would all say, the time. don't worry about yeah. it at all. Okay. And I would say, I would be very surprised if anyone bought this game and played it and didn't feel like they'd got great value for money. Because mm-hmm. by the time you've had enough of it, you've played a lot of, <laughs> you know, you, you'll have sank a lot of time into it. So great value, great fun. Awesome. Don't worry about microtransactions because I, it hasn't, hasn't affected me at all. Awesome. Uh, Jerry, last thing I want to ask from you quickly. Um, any upcoming games? Not, if you finish with Shadow of War, any any other games coming out this year that you're really excited for? Um, I'm sure there are. Um, are you going to get... Remind uh, me what's on the calendar. Um, Assassin's Creed? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I'll get it or not. I'm, um, I'm a little bit sick of Assassin's Creed, even though I heard they've revamped it. Also, Shadow of Mordor has taken... A lot of Assassin's Creed elements. I, I, figured, I yeah, feel like know. I've just played another Assassin's Creed game, <laughs> to be honest. How um, about a South Park? Are you going to get South Park, the fractured but whole? Um, probably not. I mm. haven't played it. I I like watching South Park on TV. I haven't played any of the games. Mm. I don't think it's gonna. Um, if someone gave it to me for free, I'd play it. I don't think I'll buy it. Okay, interesting. Uh, what yeah, else? Then, is, uh, there's other things on there. Wolfenstein, the... Wolfenstein 2, the, the new Colossus mm-hmm. is coming out this month. Uh, obviously, we talked about Mario. Odyssey, uh, The Evil Within just came out. The Evil Within 2. Then later this year, oof, actually not too much other than Call of Duty World War II. Or that, is that something you're interested in? You're going to play some Call of Duty? I haven't played Call of Duty in many years. Star um... Wars Battlefront 2. Probably not. No, mm. I don't think I'm gonna get into Battlefront again. Awesome. Oh, okay, interesting. Now I just thought I'd pick your pick your mind since I'm not sure when I'm gonna get you on the show again. We might have a, a final uh, episode of the show or a, a final ep- episode of the year, kind of wrapping up our favorite games uh, of the year. And I don't know if I'm gonna get a chance to talk to you again. But uh, do you think this is a contender for game of the year? Do you think it uh, stacks up high? Uh, compared to maybe something like Horizon that came out at the beginning of the year and Neo and a couple of other games? Um, I don't think it will it will make it onto the, the list purely because it's it's um, it's a sequel which has built on another game mm-hmm. successfully and, and done it I, I, I feel you know but it, nothing particularly feels exciting or new I don't think it's going to be able to stand up in terms of originality to okay. Horizon. I, I think those games are probably going to take the field. And um, yeah, but f- I mean, it would be perhaps my game of the year. I don't think <laughs> I've... I, yeah, I that's what I'm asking. If it's your <laughs> game, if, if it if it qualifies, you feel like it qualifies for one of your top games of the year. Oh yeah, no, it would definitely qualify as one of my top games. Yeah, cool. Purely in terms of how much time I've put into it in a week, I think it would yeah. have to qualify. Nice. Um, I think that's a good end for the show. Thanks, JD, for making the time to come on the episode, uh, coming on the podcast again. I really appreciate it, man. 
Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, thank you everybody for listening and we hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, Thanks again, JD, for coming on tonight. We'll be back again next week. But until then, happy gaming, have a good night and see you again on the next episode of the TEG Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.